want to give a little bit of just my backstory, a little bit of testimony, uh, and and I'll tie it in later. Uh, it'll make sense. Um, I grew up in the ministry. Um, I don't remember. I don't have recollection of not being saved. That's how early in life I gave my life to the Lord. I don't have recollection of being outside of the ministry. Um, this is my mom right here in the second row. And my mom and dad, they ministered as evangelists, as pastors, as church planners. So I grew up in the ministry. The Lord poured out an amazing anointing upon my dad. My dad was an amazing preacher and he flowed in signs and wonders and it was powerful i remember tent meetings where there was sawdust on the floor and kfc empty clean non-greasy kfc chicken buckets being passed as the offering plates in a tent revival that went on into the wee hours of the night but there were salvations and people being set free and delivered from demonic strongholds and miracles and healings and people just just surrendering their life to Christ. That's what I grew up with. I grew up with the miraculous and seeing them done. I saw awesome things. But there were several things that I didn't see. I never saw my dad push anybody over when he was praying for them. And my dad is a big guy. And my dad is a passionate guy. I saw God move in awesome, powerful ways. But I never saw anything that ever gave me reason to question the authenticity of this move of God. My dad rarely used catchers when he had healing lines. Um, A catcher is... uh, Jordan, uh, can you stand up for a second? Okay, so if he's coming up for prayer, stand up here. This is my son, Jordan. It's okay for me to, to use him as an example. So I never saw him push him down. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so a catcher is, when someone's being prayed for, there's someone who would come up behind and they'd kind of have their arms here because if they fell, then it it fit right under the arms and you'd catch them. Thank you, son. You were fantastic. My dad rarely used catchers. And here's, here's why. He said, I'm not going to push him down. And if the Holy Spirit knocks them down, then they're going to be okay. And if they fall on their own, then they need that bump on their butt for falling on their own because the Holy Spirit don't need our help. Okay? This is what I grew up with. The Holy Spirit don't need our help. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. We'll just go ahead and add that word doesn't and don't to be grammatically good. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. When I pray for people, I, I follow the example of my of my father that he set for me. When I pray for somebody, and I'm a big dude. Jordan, come back up, please. Here, when I pray for somebody, and if you've ever had me pray for you, you know this. I put one hand here, and I put one hand here or here. If it's if it's a woman that's being prayed for, I'll have her like put her hands on her heart, and then I'll have my wife come put her hands on the hands, and then I'll put my hand on my wife's hands. Um, there's just things you do just in ministry just to, to uh, be a, above reproach and also to make people feel comfortable. But I put this hand here, and I put this hand here or here because if I'm getting fiery, at least I'm counterproductive. At least I'm pushing and pulling at the same time. 
But I don't for any minute want people to think that the falling or the, the falling out in the Spirit is the, is the necessity for getting touched by God. If it happens, praise God. So this is, this is how I minister. As a young man, I, I said I don't remember a time not being with the Lord. Uh, I remember a time of intentionally wanting to see what the other side had to offer. When I went to college, I played college football. And it was a very vain season in my life, a very proud season in my life, because that was all about me. That was all about um, um, me validating myself and proving myself and proving my worth, proving my manhood. It was, it was a proving season that excluded God. And there was a summer when I rededicated my life to the Lord. And talk about people praying. My little sister, Amy, who's there also in the second row, she and a bunch of her hooligan friends at Oral Roberts University were praying for me, like at chapel services, that I would leave my ungodly ways and rededicate my life to the Lord and transfer to ORU. And he answered every one of those prayers. So I transferred to ORU. And during, during that time, I, I, was, I got to see a lot of awesome... Um, Ministers, I, I got to hear incredible ministers bring the word. It was it was an incredible time. There was one time when uh, we had revival. We had scheduled revival at ORU, and it was really cool because we didn't have classes that week. So you, you didn't have to go to class, but you had to come to revival, which was like several times a week. So Rodney Howard Brown came, and um, I, I don't I think he's maybe South African or, um, and and uh, so he came and. A big manifestation that followed his ministry was just holy laughter. So, after the first session, he's like, I'm going to pray for everybody in this place, and God's going to give you holy laughter. And so, um, it was 13,000 students, plus faculty and staff and alumni. So, we were out the chapel doors all over campus, and he would just walk and pray, you know, for each person. But when I talk about prayer, this is one of those brothers who, he was a pusher. You know, he, he, he liked... He liked the push. He liked the heavy-handed push. And um, and so, in getting prayed for, you know, I was being pushed, and I'm kind of fighting it. I'm like, Holy Spirit doesn't need my help. And so, I get prayed for, and I don't go down, because I'm like, the Holy Spirit didn't knock me down. But I'm looking all around, people laughing, and people laughing, and, you know, what, you know, kind of like drunk in the Spirit, and just the holy laughter. And they'd come up with their hands on me and say, more! And they'd just shout more in my face. Uh, and I got nothing. I got nothing except for more agitated. Um, and and so I was talking to friends. And I'm like, man, I, you got it. You know, you got the holy laughter. I didn't get it. And I had very big-hearted friends who had their solutions. Um, I had friends who said, well, Mark... The reason you didn't get it is because you didn't you didn't go down. You don't get it unless you go down. You don't get it unless you go down, whether the Holy Spirit puts you down or not. You get it when you're down there, because that's a place of submission. That's a place of uh, surrender to the Lord. So you you've got to let Him push you down, whether the Holy Spirit puts you down or not, because that's where you get it. That's not true, by the way, but they were good-hearted friends. And then I had other friends who were like Mark. The reason you didn't get it and the reason you didn't go down is because there's a lot of pride in your life and you're, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. Now that actually hit home because, because I was a young man and I don't know any young men that don't 
battle pride. But that wasn't why I didn't go down either, friends. Now, I went back to my room and I got down on my knees and I wept and I repented of pride. And I said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, if there's pride in me, please take it out, Lord. God, I give it to you. Take every bit, Lord. I don't want to be proud. I want all that you have. Because I trans, I left my life behind as a college football player and transferred to ORU where they don't have a football team so that I could surrender my life to the Lord. And that's what I was doing. God working out some things in me. And I'm like, Lord, remove the pride. It's something my dad taught me. He said, if someone ever says that that's pride, Hey, that's pride in your life. That's that's the fruit of pride in your life. There's one quick way to know whether or not it's pride. If your initial response is, it's not pride, I'm not proud, then it was pride. But if your response is, oh Lord, take it away, then you don't have to worry because it wasn't pride. Does that make sense? It's that state of heart. God looks at the heart of a man. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. So I went back to the next day of revival. Rodney Howard Brown's there. And I'm like, I'm going down. I'm going down. Whether there's someone behind me or not, I saw catchers. I think I'm good, but I'm going to go down either way. So once again, homeboy, you know, pushes me down. And I let him push me down because I want the manifestation that's down there. And the minute I'm caught and I'm gently laid to the ground, I thought to myself, well, now what? How long do I have to stay down here to get it? Because I'm no different. There's nothing different. So I'm like, i got to wait. So I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And then I get up, and I feel stupid, and stupid, and stupid. Because I let people talk me into what the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to let a man push me down again. And if I ever have the opportunity to minister, I'm never going to push, uh, push someone down. Because, Lord, th- that's not what you're in. You don't need my help. The Holy Spirit doesn't need my help. Lord, I believe you're real. And I'm frustrated. I don't know why I didn't get that touch. And I don't know why I didn't get the holy laughter. Because I didn't get it again. But Lord, you know my heart. So a few months later, Marilyn Hickey, who, who her ministry is based here in Colorado, so she, she comes and she's ministering. And she's like, if you want, if she had a call, you know, something, if you want a touch from the Lord, then I want you to come forth. And whatever the call was, it resonated with me and I wanted it. So I came up and it was all, she said, you come up here on stage, you come up here on stage. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to let, I said I wouldn't let a man push me down. I'm not going to let a woman push me down either. Um, but then I, I looked sideways down the line because she was coming from this direction and I saw her and just touching, just touching. And I saw people falling out, and I'm like, okay, at least she's not going to push me down, but Lord, I'm not going to fake fall either. And she's just moving down the line, just, I mean, just like as sweet as can be, just, Jordan, come here. <laughs> just, just as sweet as can be, just this gentle touch. I mean, it was just as sweet as can be. And she comes up to me, and I remember her, I remember her being here, and I remember her touching me, and that's the last thing I remember. Because uh, I just fell to the ground. And according to the people that were watching, my buddies that were watching, they're like, oh, you were jello, dude. You were like this. There was no... It's like they, no one could have caught you. You went limp and you just went straight down. 
And when I came to, it was a combination of, of laughing and crying and laughing and crying because I was in the presence of a tender, awesome, powerful, mighty God. And he told me, you never have to fake anything. And my Holy Spirit does not need your help. If I want you down, I will put you down. And I will touch you however I want to touch you. And if everyone around you gets something you don't, you look to me and not everyone else or another man of God again. You look to me. For a powerful move of the Holy Spirit to take place, the Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. But what He needs is this. Hunger. Openness. Receptivity. Repentance. See, I think my friend had good intentions in mind saying, I was proud, and I was proud. I was, but, but I don't think that was it. But, but my response of getting to my knees saying, Lord, remove the pride. Repentance, removing sin, puts us in a place to receive from God. Repentance is always good. It's an amazing gift. We should cherish repentance. We should thank God that He gave us repentance. I like who Impact Rock is. I like who Impact Rock is. I like our DNA. I like who we are. I don't want to be another church. And we're not going to be another church. I don't want to be another church even though I see God doing some mighty, powerful things at other churches, we are who we are, and the Holy Spirit will wow us when He wants to wow us. And He will wow us a piece at a time or an individual, or we'll all wake up from being on the ground going, whoa. And I don't know how He's going to do it. But we're not going to try and be someone else. I don't want to be a church who fakes or manipulates the things of the Holy Spirit. Because that is not growth, friends. That is immaturity. And God is growing us. And we're hungry people that are hungering for the things of the Lord. And we're seeing God move in some awesome ways. And we're seeing God stir some people up. And we're seeing growth. And we're experiencing repentance. And we can trust God. And we don't have to measure ourselves against anyone else. So just, I have a little note here in my sermon called Vulnerability, Honesty. So I listened to my sermon from a few weeks ago where I preached on the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And I thought it was a great word. Um, thank you Brandon <laughs> but I, I heard something in, in the sermon I heard something I heard in my tongue frustration I heard in my delivery frustration that bordered on anger at times and there's too many mean Christians out there and I don't want to be one of them and I don't want this church to be any of them. We're called to be loving in our delivery, in our message, in our touch, in our timing, in everything. 
I want us to be known by our love for crying out loud, our core pillow, our core pillars, our values, they all revolve around love. Profound love for God. Genuine love for His church. Demonstrative love for His lost. We want to be known by our love. And I want to be a church where that the power of God is on display. I want to be a church where they can go, you go to that church, the Holy Spirit is moving, you're going to receive a touch from God. Whatever you need, you're going to walk out of there with a touch. That's who I want us to be. But I want us to be that church who flows in the fullness of what God has for us through love. Through love. Through the fruit of love. In everything we do, love. So you're asking, why were you frustrated? Why were you frustrated? And once again, just being honest with you. I've been told one too many times that this church is not spirit-filled enough and that ticks me off. I'm just being honest with you. I am just being vulnerable. It didn't tick me off. It still ticks me off. I'm in the process of ticked offedness because we're not Holy Spirit-filled enough. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And just as I had good-hearted friends at ORU telling me that I was too proud or that I needed to fall, that the manifestation was on the ground, people have good intentions. I don't know what was supposed to be the fruit of telling us we weren't Holy Spirit-filled enough, but I'm giving it to God. And I'm not going to allow it to be frustrated because you know what? I like who we are. We are a church that is hungry and that is open and that seeks God and we're not going to fake anything. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to do something to generate hype or to pretend like God's doing something here that he's not doing somewhere else. I don't know that I want God to do something here that he's not doing somewhere else. I want God to do it all over this town. I want God to do it in every Jesus preaching church that we are related with. I don't want something unique to us. I don't want it because then we'll make it about us. I want it about the Holy Spirit and about Jesus Christ. And I want all of us to get it. I don't want to, to say, go to Impact Rock because that's the only place you can, that's the only place you can find Jesus. It's the only place you can find a move of the Holy Spirit, friends. That is not the heart of God. I'm not frustrated now. Now I'm, now I'm passionate. When I go back and listen to this, I'm like, I'm good. Passion, not frustration. <laughs> Friends, the Holy Spirit is at work in Impact Rock. He is He is working. He is moving. He is changing lives. He is at work. He I know He's at work in me, and I know He's at work in you. And most of the time, I really disagree with His timing. Of everything. Of everything. I disagree with His timing of a building. I disagree with, I mean, but His timing is perfect. It always proves to be perfect. And what He is doing within us, let Him do it. But let's be a people who are quick to repent, who are open, who are teachable, who are hungry, who are available to God and desire more of the Holy Spirit. Friends, when Marilyn Hickey prayed for me and I went to that that blob onto the ground, I want that. I'll take it every time. But I'm not looking for a manifestation. I'm looking to my God. I want that. I want to be on the ground crying and weeping and crying and weeping in the presence of an awesome God because He put me there. I do, honestly. Every time I get prayed for, I'm like, just just wow me, Lord. Knock me out, Lord. Do it. Puddle me. Puddle me. But I want Him more than I want a manifestation. Friends, we have to want Him more than we want a manifestation. 
So I'm human, and I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to be vulnerable and honest and allowing me to make mistakes. You know, I don't want to preach out of frustration. I want to preach out of love, especially when I'm preaching on love. (laughs) Go figure. Um, So I apologize for allowing the frustration to come through in a message. Um, And and I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to be honest and vulnerable. And now let's turn to 1 Corinthians. I want to read 1 Corinthians 12.31 and then 1 Corinthians 13.1-8. And I want to read it from the Amplified Bible um, because it is just beautifully and uh, it's beautifully spoken and written and it really just amplifies what this passage is saying. 1 Corinthians 12.31 But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. Into now chapter 13, the very next verse. It's still the same theme. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as in such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries, and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may gain, that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or in its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. Isn't that powerful? Friends, the Word of God is powerful. That passage is powerful. I said it before. The fruit of the Spirit are gifts given to us in seed form for us to nurture, for us to develop as we walk out our sanctification, 
as we walk out our faith, as we walk out the things that God puts before us. We do so walking out our lives and our faith. And the fruit of God is nurtured in us, is developed in us. And when those things grow, it allows us to flow in the gifts with, with wisdom and maturity in a way that loves. When we have the fruit evident in us, it allows us to minister the gifts of the Spirit in love. We're supposed to love. But before we can love, we need to know we're loved. Before we can love, we need to know that God loves us. We need to believe that God loves us. And at some level, we've got to love ourselves. That's agreement with God. Because He loves us. Loving ourselves is agreement with God. It's not some vain thing. We've got to love ourselves. We've got to know we're loved. And then we're going to be effective at loving. You want to be a good lover? Practice loving. You want to be a good lover? Then love. Practice loving. You guys, we nurture, we develop, we grow in what we focus on. Are we focused on God? Are we focused on loving others? Then we're going to grow in relationship with God. We're going to grow in loving others. Are we focused on self? Do we have the belief that if I don't love me, no one else will? So I've got to focus on me. If we believe that, friends, then we're not going to be effective at loving others. We grow what we focus on. And friends, we're not called to be a self-focused people. We're to be a God-focused people. And then looking at Him, He's going to let us know the touches around us that need to be done. The fruit of the Spirit in our life is so that we can be used, can be part of His work in touching people with His love. And feeling the validation. I talked about a time in my life when I was looking for validation, searching for meaning, trying to prove myself. Being used by the King to love others because He loves them so much He just needs someone willing to do a touch. And I'm like, oh Lord, I will, I will. And he's like, do it. And then, and then touching people with His love. Talk about validation. What else do you need? But friends, I, I'm totally serious. We've got to be convinced that God loves us. I know. I know there was that rough season you went through. That it's natural to question whether or not God loves you. But He does. I know you went through that difficulty, that time of loss and pain and betrayal. But it wasn't God who hurt you or betrayed you. He loves you. We're going we're gonna to skip down to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the ways God wants us to touch others. 
these are the way, ways that God touches us. Do we want to know how we're doing? Hear me, guys. Do we want to know how we're doing in loving others? Do we love others the way our daddy loves us? Do we have patience for others the way our father does for us? Do we bring peace into the room the way it happens when the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene? Do we spread joy the same way? Do we love the same way that God loves us? That's a good measuring stick. And that's a good thing to go, Lord, grow me. You guys, this is not... This is not something that, okay, when we do all these things perfect, then God will use us. No, that's not how it is. God uses us because Jesus Christ paid the way with his blood so that when the Father looks at us, he's like, qualified, worthy, whole, awesome. I want to use them. They're worthy. They're sinless because of that, because of the blood of Jesus. But I'm talking about growing. I'm talking about growth. I'm talking about not just being, you know, a sprig of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about being an orchard of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about being something big where everyone gets to feast. You need to know that God loves you. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13. Now, and I've heard it brought this way, and it was powerful to me, and I hope it's powerful to you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Who is impatient with you? It wasn't God. God loves you. Love is kind and not jealous. Who is unkind to you? Who is jealous of you? It wasn't God. He loves you. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. Who treated you inappropriately? It wasn't God. He he loves you. Love does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Who wronged you? We've all been wronged. Who wronged you? It wasn't God. He loves you. I know you've been wronged, but it wasn't God who wronged you. He loves you. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth. Who celebrated your failure? Who celebrated your missteps? Who celebrated the times you fell flat on your face? I tell you who did not. It was not God. Because He loves you. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, 
Who has stopped believing in you? You know what? I don't care who stopped believing in you. I don't care who stopped believing in you because your God believes in you, because He loves you. Our God believes in you. And He endures all things. He's got unlimited patience and grace and love for you. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Who has given up on you? Who has failed you? Not God. I know you've been failed. I know you've been given up on, but not by God. He loves you. God wants us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. But He wants that power of the Holy Spirit to all come through love. First and foremost, right now, He wants to know that you are loved. He needs you to know that you are loved and He wants you to love yourself. He wants you to have grace for yourself. He wants you to love yourself as He loves you. He has grace for you. Have grace for yourself. He forgave you. Forgive yourself. He has patience with you. Be patient with yourself. He understands you. Come to understanding that if you're not perfect, you never will be. And be okay with that. Be convinced of His love. 